So it was quite heartbreaking, really, to leave ministry and quite surprising to leave it due to illness at at 56. But I, I do hope to return to ministry someday. This is Still Here, a podcast from WFAE that asks, what does resiliency look and feel like to you? And how have you felt and been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic? There were times when my faith in some of my fellow humans was challenged because I feel like if we had been more careful at the beginning of this pandemic, we could have saved more lives. What helped you overcome challenges you faced? And what did you do to cope? I hope this too shall pass and things will get better. I give thanks and offer much gratitude for all the kindness. I'm Sarah D'Elia. In today's installment, we hear from a reverend about making the difficult decision to step away from ministry while she continues to recover from long-term effects of COVID-19. Sitting in her Charlotte apartment, surrounded by books and her two cats, Reverend Mary Frances Comer reflects, finding her own path to religion was not easy. The 56-year-old grew up in Rock Hill and described South Carolina as the buckle of the Bible Belt. Growing up gay in the South, that was something that was not accepted, and not only not accepted in other places, but absolutely condemned. She was called to the church, but always felt like she had to hide this important piece of her identity from her fundamentalist family and upbringing. To feel called to ministry, to have a relationship with what you believe to be the holy, and then simultaneously to be called an abomination was, you know, quite the cognitive dissonance. She even tried to confide in one of her siblings when she was 17. The message was, we're just not even going to talk about that. And don't tell our parents, don't tell your aunts and uncles, because that would just kill them. Twelve years following that, till about age 29, I just kept a lid on that, or to use the more common terminology, I was, you know, I lived in the closet. Years later, a friend introduced her to the Unitarian Universalist Church, where she immediately felt at home. She eventually began a path to ministry, and up until recently, she was the lead minister at Piedmont Unitarian Universalist Church in Charlotte and Salisbury. What the UU Church provided for me was a place to be myself, a place to be who I was, and not have to leave any part of myself at the door and a public place, a gathering, where I could really be who I was for the first time in my life. But this year, Mary Frances made the difficult decision to step away from what was not just a dream job, but a true calling. That's because even though it's been almost a year since her initial COVID-19 diagnosis, she still has some symptoms that won't go away. When people say, well, when will you be better? There's no way to know when or if. I'm very hopeful that I will improve. But right now, I'm short of breath going from one room to another, daily headache, daily nausea, just quite a laundry list of of symptoms. Simple tasks like moving a chair or walking from room to room are now exhausting. 
Mary Frances points to a small machine. It's a portable oxygen concentrator. She used it before this interview to make sure she wasn't out of breath. It was gifted to her by one of her congregants. It costs about $2,300. She shows me a much larger machine that provides continuous oxygen flow while she sleeps. That loud hum took some getting used to, she says, especially because of what it reminded her of. During her pastoral training, she was a hospital chaplain intern. This is the sound of the machines that were in the room of people who were what we called imminent death, people who were vented and not going to make it. Before she realized she would need to leave her job, Mary Frances tried to take a leave of absence from work. Maybe if she got enough rest and focused solely on recovery, she thought she'd get better. But a month-long leave turned into two, then three months, and she realized she couldn't go back. Not only was she having trouble breathing, she experienced extreme exhaustion and problems with her heart. So in early July, she recorded her last sermon. It was a penned love letter to her congregation and to the position she had worked so hard to achieve. I will keep praying for you, for all of us who have set sail on this timeless sea together. It was very difficult. That was just uh, very recently, so I'm not quite sure it's, it's sunk all the way in yet. Yeah. That's really the end of that particular ministry. Even before she contracted COVID, the start of her 2020 was a rough one. Mary Frances lived in a different apartment previously. There was a fire which turned into a flood when sprinklers went off and the fire department couldn't shut them off right away. It was a year of loss, the apartment, and eventually the relationship and then the job because of the COVID and then the loss of health because of the COVID. She lost nearly everything. Then a five-year relationship with her partner ended. There's the loss of the job she loved so much and the loss of health. And with that loss comes grief. And it also comes with resilience, but in a different way than she's used to. It's a little more difficult to articulate what resilience looks like or feels like, but I think for me, it looks like getting up, moving around, staying in communication with people, hope, looking to the future. And part of that future is an unexpected turn for Mary Frances. She's experiencing firsthand the economic hardships of COVID. Because she's now on disability, she can no longer afford the $1,000 monthly rent for this apartment we're sitting in. But she has options. One is to return home to Rock Hill. Decades ago, she purchased a house there. She describes it as a little square home from the 1950s that reminds her of one of those pieces from the board game Monopoly. It needs work before she can move in, including mold issues that need to be addressed. It sounds pretty overwhelming, but not when you have a congregation that stands by you even as you depart. So I have mixed emotions about going back to Rock Hill, but I feel like the compassion I'm seeing from people who want to help with the house and get it back in livable shape. That makes me excited. I don't know where the expression originated that, you know, this is the house that love built, but I feel like this is the house that love is rebuilding. 
Members of her congregation created a GoFundMe page to help with her home repairs, and so far, nearly $26,000 have been raised. It's giving her hope. Maybe one day, she says, she'll even be able to return to ministry, and maybe even do so right where she grew up. What better place for Mary Frances to provide that space than where she struggled to feel accepted herself? The place where she was unable to be her true, authentic self and felt isolated and alone might just turn out to be the perfect grounds to create a new physical home and also to rebuild a spiritual one. I'm Sarah D'Elia. This is Still Here. If you have a story idea for Still Here, email me at sdalia at wfae.org. Find me on Twitter at Sarah WFAE, and that's Sarah with an H. Still Here is produced and reported by me and edited by Greg Collard. Our theme music was composed and produced by Patrick Bowden and Patrick Lee. Together, they make Patrick Otto. Our really beautiful logo was made by Matthew Scott. Learn more about the series at wfae.org slash stillhere. Subscribe anywhere you find podcasts. Still Here is powered by Ortho Carolina. Thanks for listening.